You are listening to Motivating from the Six, episode 12, Fighting Fear and Doing Discipline. Let's get it. Welcome back to Motivated from the Six. This is a podcast that is intended to change your life, to have you stand up and realize that there are bigger things in life than what you're going through. A podcast that is intended to lead you to your purpose, to motivate you, to inspire you, and just become a better individual where you stand in your life. I am Jeff Martin of jeffadmartin.com. Thank you so much for listening. I am excited today. I'm so excited because we have a guest on, and the guest is an author of a book called Fighting Fear and Doing Discipline. He is a friend of mine, and again, he's an author of this book, Keith Hill Jr., and this book really brings home a lot of key elements when it comes to fighting the fears that you're going through in life and doing discipline, applying discipline to your life and have it change who you are and have you become better at the things you're trying to achieve. So I'm not going to take too much time. Let's just go right into this interview with Mr. Keith Hill Jr. Keith, what's going on, man? Not too much, brother. Good to see you as always. Good to be here and I'm you know, happy to be on your show. Oh man, thank you so much. Yeah, we are trying to do big things with this podcast, Motivating from the Six, and it's all about just trying to inspire people, change people's lives, hold motivate on, hold them. On. There's too much trying in that. You're not trying to do big things. You're not trying to inspire anybody. You're doing big things, and you're inspiring a lot of people. I'm inspired. Uh, man, thank you so much. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, you're, it's not about trying. You're right. It's doing. It's changing people's lives. It's motiva- motivating them. It's turning them upside down just to see things clearer and just push them forward to the purpose. So that's what we're trying to do. And that's obviously what you were doing when you wrote this book, Fighting Fear and Doing Discipline, and just putting um, you know, some great theory into this world. Tell me why you wrote this book. Well, first thing I, I did was did some self-evaluating. So I didn't write the book I didn't do the research specifically to write a book. I did the research to just better myself. So it was just about digging and just getting to the point in life where it's like, something's got to change, man. I got to, you know, I'm the type of person that if somebody does me wrong or if I miss out an opportunity or if something doesn't go my way, I don't look at what they did specifically. I just feel, I, I look at myself to say, well, why would they feel comfortable in doing something wrong? Maybe I presented myself in a way or why didn't I get that opportunity? Maybe there's something that I didn't do. Like, and I'm not putting all the blame on myself because there could have been that type of person or it could have been that kind of opportunity that somebody wanted to give to somebody else. But the point is, I don't concern myself as much as what other people are doing when it comes to my life. I concern with what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. So in that mindset, I just want to dig, dig deep and figure out some things that I could be doing better. And when I found those two principles about being a person of courage and being a person of discipline, I said I could do better in those areas. And then I found that they were intricate in the success of many people. So when I started doing the research and been uh, more deliberate about figuring out how to, how to rectify those situations, it just turned into a book. So at first it was for my own research, but when I realized the value of the information that I found and what it did for me, I said, I might as well just put pen to paper and turn it into a book. Amazing, amazing. How how how's the feedback been so far? It's been incredible. It's been it's been very good. The best feedback that I, I I love to get is feedback from people who I don't know from different walks of life. 
because when you meet somebody or if it's a family or if it's a friend or if it's a friend of a friend and they give you good feedback, you just think it's out of love. You know what I mean? But when somebody from Instagram or from Facebook says, I read your book and it did this or that for me, that's when I know that, you know, I feel like it's, 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 I don't want to say worth it because it's worth it regardless, but it's beyond what I even imagine when it comes to the reach, even at this juncture at, at stage that I'm in. Wow. Amazing. In section one, unpacking fear, the line that you write is, what is fear and how does it operate? In order to conquer fear, you must know what it is. What is fear to you? It's so hard to put into you know one word or one phrase because that's why I wrote the book. But let me see if I can summarize it. Fear is, an, well, I could use Best Buy an analogy. Fear is an alarm. That's it. Fear is strictly an alarm. But people take fear to the next point in terms of it's an actual alarm that dictates an emergency, but it's only an alarm that dictates there may be an emergency. What you have to therefore do is check. So to, to answer your question, what is fear is simply an alarm that says there may or may not be danger. That's it. Okay, okay, okay. And that makes a lot of sense for sure. Now, um, going through your book, there's a lot of great things that were in here. One of the things that definitely grabbed me, and I'm not trying to uh, give away too much here because we want people to actually buy the book and actually see the details for themselves and learn for themselves. But one of the things that grabbed me, even before I had the book in my hand, I believe you had a preview online and you're speaking about... Um, a situation that you're going through where 20 guys were grimacing at you and, ch and chasing you, um, I believe is that they believe that you owe them 30 grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that captured me like right away <laughs> when I saw that online, I'm like, yo, I need to get this book. And so I raced through it so I can get to that point and um, I read it and it was just cool. The situation that you, well, I say cool, but yeah, 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 yeah. it sounded like it was a fearful oh, situation. Yeah, um, I don't want to give away too much of that detail, mm -hmm. but if you can kind of like just, just briefly touch on that and then what you learned in that circumstance, because that's we're, we're talking about fear yeah. and, and, and getting through those type of circumstances. Well, I, I don't mind giving away too much of it because it's just one section. But, um, you know, the, the situation was I was a, a, a managing artist, a rap group rather, and, you know, we were opening up for a major rap artist. And I say major... I mean, like one of the well-known rap artists of today. And they got stiffed their money. The promoter who was there was in the Boston area, uh, Worcester, Massachusetts to be exact. And they got stiffed 30 grand because the promoter didn't make their money that they expected to make. So they couldn't afford it. You know, we all know the story how it goes. So the promoter ran off because they didn't sell enough tickets. And for whatever reason, when I hopped out of my SUV and everybody else was waiting for me outside and I was going inside the hotel to take to use the bathroom. They saw me and thought I was running to hide or they thought I was a promoter for whatever reason. I still to this day don't even know why. But in any event, as I turned the corner to go to the bathroom, they just rushed me and they just ultimately circled me saying, not where's my money, but who are you? So to answer your question, you know, what, what, what I learned in that situation and this was instinctively, it's only through doing the research and going back and reflecting on that situation that I actually come to realize what happened is that I didn't let fear dictate my actions. I used logic instead of emotion. So my, my fear was either, either to run away 
from these guys, that, but they're circling me, so that wasn't a realistic option. Or, you know, or fight, you know, because at the end of the day, you feel like, you, yo, you're, you're innocent, and there's a certain level of danger, so you have the courage to fight, but then obviously I'm outnumbered, and that wouldn't make no sense either. So whether it was instinctively or just through actual thought process, it happened so fast I can't even tell you which one it was. Mm -hmm. But all I know is I didn't go with fear's knee-jerk reaction, which is simply to fight or flee. And instead, I remained calm, and I asserted my, 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 my um, innocence in terms of just saying, yo, I'm not who you're looking for. I'm not him. I'm not the guy. I'm not this. I'm not that. Whatever I said, kept on saying, until I was able to inch my way through the threat and then eventually get out of it, whatever. You got to read the book to see what happens next. But <laughs> in any event, the point I learned in that is the fact that you don't, you don't have to go with fear's knee-jerk response. Fear always says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. In terms of your flee, it's telling you to flee the situation. Be afraid, be afraid and run away. Or it's telling you to fight. There's danger, fight. But what I've deduced is the fact that there's another option and that's just to use logic and stop using just the knee-jerk reaction because number one, there may not be fear per se or there, that may not be the best way to respond to the fear with the fight or flight. So that's just an example of one of those lessons that I learned or one of the times that that lesson was demonstrated rather. Okay, and that's absolutely huge because you're right. When we come up in circumstances in life and it presents um, a level of either misunderstanding or just a circumstance that seems bigger than we're able to handle, we often freeze. It's like that deer in the headlights, exactly. right? Like you freeze because you just don't know what to do, where you're going to go, how you're going to handle it. And oftentimes we'll turn about, turn around and go the other way. Exactly. Uh, flight, you know, fight or flight, as you talked about, we'll turn around and go the other way as opposed to standing in it, finding the logical way of getting through it and pursuing our way exactly. through that. Exactly. Or, or even in this situation, it was real danger, but sometimes sure. it's not. And, right. and that's the thing that I, 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 I speak to predominantly when I speak to, when it, with regards to fear. There's two different types of fear. There's fear that's a clear and present danger that makes that references whether it's a plane going down or somebody you know pointing a weapon at you or something. That's a clear and present danger. There's a reason, but the fear that we mostly suffer from are fears from memory or imagination, something that may have happened in the past or an imagination of something that might happen to you in the present or in the future. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean it's real. Right. But people oftentimes think that because they have such a vivid imagination or such a, a distinct memory of an event that it makes it real. But the reality is it doesn't make it real. So the first thing you have to do is when the alarm goes off is check to see if the danger is real or not. And most of the times it's not real. Okay. You know? Okay. And, and you're absolutely right. Those things that play in our head, those those games, those those the noise that we hear in our head will oftentimes keep us away from the things we should be doing exactly. in this world. Um, just because that fear steps in. You know, exactly. what if what if the crowd doesn't like my singing? What if they don't think my writing skills are up to par? Uh, and so on and so on. Whatever the uh, realm is of whatever the area is that you might be working in exactly. there's all these things that play in your head and oftentimes that stops us from where we should be going exactly exactly and then the, the problem is the fact that we we take these things in our head they, they say there's an african proverb that said if you could defeat the enemy within 
then the enemies outside cannot hurt you. Right. So it goes back. So you're stopping yourself. Yes. The fear, the thing that you're fearful of, like I, I gave a presentation the other day and I held up, I said, I, some people are afraid of spiders. And then I held up a picture of a spider, a big picture of a spider. And then a few people in the room got all queasy and they got nervous. And I said, <laughs> look at this. You're afraid of a spider, which it's, it was a dangerous spider I held up, a picture of a tarantula, a dangerous spider with venom and the whole night. But it was a picture. Wow. But their memory of what possibly they've seen in the past or their imagination of what possibly a spider can do made the picture become fearful to them. Wow. And that piece of paper with ink on it represented a danger. But just because their mind was so in tune with what that emotional feeling was, it manifested into reality and they turned their heads away. One person said, I got to leave. I don't want to look at it. <laughs> and, I, and it was such a perfect example of what I'm trying to say is the fear may be real, but the first thing you have to, I mean, the emotion of fear may be real, but the first thing you have to do is recognize that it's just an alarm. Mm-hmm. And once the alarm goes off, check to see if it's real. Right. And 90% of the time is what I've found through my research. It's not. It's mm-hmm. just a figment of your imagination or a memory of a painful event of the past. But it doesn't mean that it will happen again or that it's in that moment that there's a real, actual, clear and present danger. Mm, mm, amazing so there's two parts of this book obviously fighting fear and doing discipline and so we just spoke quite a bit about the fear portion of it so uh there's a portion in this book chapter 14 where you introduce one of the paragraphs the procrastinator's crutch and you have a couple points here you say procrastination is a cousin of laziness and then also number two self-discipline pays you eventually but laziness plays Laziness pays you immediately. Mm-hmm. Can you describe what you mean when you're when you uh, say that? Well, self discipline. I mean, procrastination is a cousin of laziness because, you know, a lazy person is notorious for procrastinating. So they go hand in hand. But, you know, self discipline pays you eventually, but laziness pays you immediately. Means, self discipline is one of those things where you have to say, what I want, is going to be delayed. So you know, it's a it's a reward. But when you have to self when you have to um, act in a manner where it's self discipline, you're basically saying the thing that I want, well, I will get later. So it pays you eventually. But laziness, the negative of the laziness is what you get immediately. Like, and, but that's not the that's not good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you could either choose the the procrastinator, like just to use a real life example. You know, say you want to go to the gym, and if you're self disciplined you and and you want to stay home say you don't want to go to the say you don't want to go to the gym but you know you should because you've committed to doing it mm-hmm. and then you're home and then you're deciding should I stay home and watch cartoons mm-hmm. <laughs> or go to the gym the self-disciplined person will say I'm going to put away the TV and I'm going to go to the gym mm-hmm. and then I'll come back to the TV later mm-hmm. and even later I'll get the benefits of going to the gym everything is later 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 so self-discipline is something that pays you eventually but the lazy person or the person who procrastinates says, I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm going to stay home. And then you become lethargic. Then you don't gain anything. You don't gain what's called the virtue. Or, or, uh, uh, you, you gain what is called the vice, which is the negative. So the delayed gratification is the mindset that self-disciplined person always has to put themselves in because they say, you're not delaying what you you're not foregoing your your dessert you're putting it after the meal which is where it belongs and that's just the mindset 
of the self-disciplined person? Discipline is so real because you can have, uh, we compare ourselves to people all the time. Mm -hmm. And someone will look at, I don't know, like Beyonce, Usher, you know, a top artist like that and say, wow, how did they get there? And how do I, what does it take for me to get there? You're comparing yourself to somebody who's disciplined themselves throughout their lifetime. When I was speaking at a school, I talked to the students about Michael Phelps, Mm -hmm. the the U.S. swimmer Michael Phelps. And Michael Phelps talks about how um, on his birthday, he practices twice. Mm. On Christmas, he practices twice. On Easter, mm. he practices twice. He has no days off, right? At least when he was training to become the best in the world. Mm. He had absolutely no days off. No Christmas, no birthdays, no Easter, no holidays. Mm. He was in there all the time. His discipline is what controlled him to get to the point where he wanted to get to, right? To to get to his ultimate goal of becoming the best swimmer in the absolute world, yeah. right? Just straight discipline. And we often, you know, we look at these guys, you know, the professionals and say, I wish I can get there. And, you know, we might go in the pool a couple of times and, you know, do half a lap and be like, how come I can't get there? But he can get there. You know, discipline is the key to becoming who you want to become in your area. Absolutely. And we really need to find that discipline within us. Absolutely. And I, and I use an analogy to describe the importance of discipline in a form of a relay race. So in the first position of the relay race is the fear, um, the courage, sorry. And courage gets you off the ground, like through the gate, off and running, just through the blocks. And then you have the second and third runner. Second runner is your abilities. Just you have to assess whether or not you're capable of doing something physically or otherwise. The third runner is knowledge. You have to ultimately get the knowledge and understanding of what it is that you're trying to do. But the fourth runner, the Usain Bolt, is the discipline and the reason why the discipline is in that fourth runner position because as you know the anchor runner in a relay race his or her job is ultimately to secure the win or even make up for any lack from any of the other runners so if fear if courage got off to a poor start maybe you're not the most courageous person you self-discipline has to make up for that maybe you don't have the most ability maybe you might not be the tallest basketball player but you can be the most disciplined and in, in be in that gym. Maybe you don't have the most knowledge of something. You have to be the most... Self-discipline is the thing that you cannot compromise because that's the thing that secures the win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, absolutely. That's crazy, crazy. Uh, in chapter 16, you quote one of my favorite uh, kids' TV shows when I was growing up. I imagine it's yours too <laughs> because it's in the book, G.I. Joe, where you talk about... Well, now you know, and knowing is half the battle, yes. right? Straight quote from G.I. Joe. Yes. And then you go into a paragraph where you're talking about knowing versus doing. Yes. What's the difference between knowing versus doing? Well, first of all, the reason I quoted that is because as a as a young kid, I, I always waited for them to tell us what's the other half of the battle. You know what I'm saying? They always say, <laughs> yeah. and when I you know, knowing is half of the battle, well, what's the other half? Right. You know? <laughs> so I had to do my own research, and my research came up that doing like you know what the other the, now do something so it's one thing to know you know what i mean all this information or know how to do something but what are you going to do with it what are you and, and that's the that's the difference between the two is one is just uh, acquiring and one and the other is actually activating what you've acquired or doing something with what you've acquired so it's like amassing a bunch of money and you never spend it, you know, you never invest it, you never build nothing with it. So the knowing is the acquisition of something 
and the doing is what you do with what you've acquired. Is one more important than the other? Is knowing more important than doing or doing more important than knowing? I, I would say no. I would say that they go hand in hand. Like you can't do unless you know. And if you know, you, you should be doing. So they go hand in hand. It's just like, like the quote says, it's, the, it's half of the battle. The battle, it's, it's a, the battle is complete once you know and do. So they're just 50% of a whole. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, learning and then executing. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You have a, a great quote in here that says, the only person you should try to be better than is a person you were yesterday. Absolutely. That's huge. Get, tell me your thoughts on that quote. Well, you know, the, especially in this day and age of social media and, and, and internet and all this and all that, we're always looking at other people's lives and comparing whether we do it subconscious, I mean, I do it sometimes, you know, it's subconscious where you just say, man, he or she is doing great and you just want to do this and do that. But you don't know what they're doing. First of all, it's social media, so you don't even know what's real. Second of all, you don't know, like you said, what they've done to get there. Third of all, you don't know if it's really um, what it seems in, in, in terms of just what you're looking at. So the point is, don't watch that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The mm -hmm. only person you should be comparing yourself to is the person you were yesterday. And if you keep progressively getting better, progressively growing, progressively going in that direction, then that's all you can ask. Because if you compare yourself with Obama and then you say he was a president at such a young age and then you never get there, then what does that mean? You can't be the best version of yourself. And, and that's ultimately what the goal should be is that we don't want to be the next Obama or the next Jay-Z or the next whoever it is that you may idolize. You want to be the best, your version. So the only person you should be comparing yourself to is the person you were yesterday. Like, for instance, myself, I, I, I marked July 26th is going to be my annual day of um, um, self-assessment. That's the day I dropped my, my book. And in the one-year mark, it's, it's, it's going to be a representation of how far I've come mm. every year on that day. So I'm approaching it in a matter of days. And, and I'm quite proud of what I've done within the past 12 months. And I look forward to seeing what the next 12 months are like. But that's that's my, my litmus test. How much have I done within the 12 months from July 26th to July 26th? I'm loving that. That's a, that's a great idea. Like to, yeah. to kind of reflect back on everything you've done. Because yeah. I think we should always reflect back on the things that we've done in our, our life. But sometimes it's a little bit difficult when you don't really have a, um, a mark yeah. that you look at. You kind of compare one versus the other. You kind of look back and say, yeah, last couple of years I've done well. Yeah, versus yeah. on, you know, June 1st, 2002, you know, versus mark. now. Yeah. You know, that's that's a great idea. I'm going to have to adopt And, and don't use well. the calendar because then you get caught up in the hype of everything else. Have your own, it's like in, 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 in accounting, you have your own fiscal calendar. You right. Know, your own fiscal date. So it doesn't have to be January 1st. No, I'd suggest it not be January 1st because <laughs> right. it, it, it loses its meaning. This is July 20th. That's my day. Right. It's not even my birthday. It's not nothing, but it's it's my day of, of and it's not, it's, it's, it's what I've accomplished and what I've learned and, and what I've done. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a combination because, you know, if you're on a mission like, like I'm on, then it's, it's all about conquering territory and securing it. And then conquering more, and then securing that, and then right. so on and so forth. So, within those time frames, I'm gonna just look and see what have I conquered, and do I have it secure? Mm -hmm. And then, all right, on to the next, on to the next, and just keep going. 
Wow, absolutely. When you were talking about comparisons, it reminded me of um, one of the the last internet um, challenges, the Bow Wow challenge. You yeah, about yeah, that yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Of where, yeah, where Bow Wow was, you know, claiming to be on some jet plane, yeah. some expensive jet plane, and then he was caught like in like regular class, Even or like, regular class people, in, right? In his defense, he did say it was an old picture, so we don't know. <laughs> okay, we don't know, we don't know, but yeah, the internet went crazy, it of went course, crazy. and you know, people were like, you know, I'm on this, I'm on the moon, and they're zoomed yeah. in, they zoom out, it's like a picture of the moon, like, it's just hilarious, yeah. it's hilarious what people are doing, but yes, we can't compare ourselves to other people, because I've heard someone say, like, when you go on social media, it's a highlight reel of what somebody's doing. Exactly. Like, you never see someone say, hey, I just broke up with my boyfriend, cheese, exactly. right, taking a picture, or, you know, there's dishes in my sink, you know, take a picture, right, exactly. take a selfie, no one's doing that, right? Exactly. They're going to take a picture of their house when it's clean, exactly. they're going to show them and their boyfriend, you know, in the moments that they're not fighting, and they're, 100%. you know, standing in, you know, the, the most uh, exotic country. Country, but they're not showing you what it took to get there. They're Absolutely. not showing you how much they saved or what they had or to do. Or what they're going home to. Or what they're going home to. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Some of these brothers out here driving some beautiful cars, yeah. taking some pictures of some really nice cars, yeah. but they're going home to mom's basement. Exactly. And I heard some people even rent and some people even, you know, um, rent out hotel rooms and cars, jewelry, just to post on the gram and different right, stuff like that. Right. You just to I mean? show, show something that they're not. Yeah. And so going back to what you're saying, it's important that we compare ourselves to ourselves um, in the sense of going back to what you just talked about with the date, like kind of looking back and saying, well, how have I done over the last year? How have I improved myself? Where have I, have I gone down? Have I gone up? Mm -hmm. And how can I continue to grow within my realm, within the area that I'm trying to grow in. Exactly. And then, and one of the more most important things, like I've, I was listening to a podcast or a, um, a YouTube video the other day and they were talking about wealth and they said, people think about gaining wealth, but they never consider, or not often enough do they consider the second part of gain, of, of maintaining wealth. So in other right. words, you could acquire riches like these NBA players and sometimes that they lose them, but keeping them is just as important. Yes. And I think the same is true for us when it comes to checking what we've done over the years or what we've become within ourselves. You know, say for instance, you know, you've become a person of courage. Are you maintaining that place or have you fallen back? You know, have you, you know, you said, I started off the year great. I, I went to the gym six months in a row. Did you maintain that dedication? You know, so it's not only about what you've done, but what you've secured so that you because right. once it's secured and it's yours right. and you know that you got it locked down, then you could just go out and secure something else. Right. Because it's hard to go out and chase something that if you don't, it's hard to chase something new if you haven't locked down what you already currently have. Right. You know right. what I mean? going to the gym, you go to the gym and you work out, you're good. And then you get to that part, you know, in your mind or in your life where, you know, you kind of fall off and you start yeah, getting yeah. that weight again. Exactly. You can't start where you were when you were in great shape. You got to build it back up build again. Back up. So if you're able to secure, like you're talking about secure, meaning my analogy and go to the gym, stay in shape and maintain exactly. that you're able to build higher and gain more muscle or become faster or stronger exactly. as opposed to falling off and now having to climb back up that ladder. Precisely. Which is, wow, wow. Exactly. So what are some of the other things you're working on? I know that you are working on another book right now. You have mm -hmm. some other projects that you have going on in the works. Absolutely. What do you got going on? Well, you know, I'm a writer and I'm always going to, you know, have something on deck. So I do have another book that's out there. It's in a manuscript rough version and I'm playing with it to decide if I want to actually put it out in a finalized polished version. 
and I also have a web series that I've written 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 lately recently and that's in production as well and then I'm just basically looking at what once I secure those in terms of like what I just said and make sure that it's actually done and in the pocket then I'll explore some of these other ideas that I have but those are the only two things that I have right now that I'm currently working on which is amazing you seem to be a creator Mm-hmm. You are creating, you've created uh, this book uh, that we're talking about, Fighting Fear and Doing Discipline. You talked about another book. You talked about a web series. There's things that you're doing. You are a creator. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what pushes you to become this creator? Why do you feel it's important to put this out into the world? Well, number one, I'm demonstrating what I wrote about. Like, for instance, I'm writing a web series that, I've also, that I'm also acting in. That's me conquering fear. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't see myself as the person in front of I've always been behind the camera, behind the scenes. You know, I worked in the music business. I've done a lot of things independently. And at the end of the day, I, you know, I could have been a music video. I had a friend who shot a music video. We were in L.A. and it was going straight to BET. And they were like, you want to get on the, on the camera? Nah. You know, that was always me. You know what I mean? But it's when I look back at it, it was a sense of fear. And not in a fear sense of timidity or but you know it's like what if i don't look the way i want to look or what if it comes out looking corny you know just overly thinking a lot of things so you know the reason why i i do what i do is because i've secured that part of my life and it's not over so now it 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 by definition it means that i have to be fearless and do things such as what i'm doing like i got a book in my head i'm courageous enough to put it out there and i got the discipline enough to do it so there's nothing stopping me, you know what I mean? So I have a web series that is, is was in my head. You know, I'm courageous enough to do it and I'm disciplined enough to do it. So there's nothing stopping me, you know what I mean? So it's just, the it's the fruit of, of what it is that I've planted within myself to fight the fear and do the discipline. Mm-hmm. By, by, as a result, just it sprouts so many different things naturally. So I don't even have to think about what should I do or should I do it? It just gets done. Mm, mm. Um, Will Smith has a, uh, a saying that blows me away. He says, God put, the bl- God put the best things in life on the other side of fear. Amen. Which is amazing. Amen. And you doing this book and you're working on the things that you're working on. You're doing some big things. Um, for somebody out there who is on the cusp, they mm. want to go out there and sing but they're nervous. Mm. They want to go out there and put that book out. They want to go out there and create that cookbook or whatever it is that they want to put into this world, but they just, they're just on that cusp. They're on the edge of that, of that cliff and they want to jump, but they don't know how to jump. They're just there, but they want to, they want to do it, but they don't know how. Mm. Based on the advice that you have, that you've written in this book, what is something that you can tell them to help them just to get over and get on the other side of fear? Well, there's, there's two things I'd say. Number one is, 90% of what you're fearing is not true. So the odds are in your favor. It doesn't mean that it's 100% not true because that small 10% could be real. You could suck as a singer. Let's be real. You know what I mean? Just because you want to sing or you... But 90% of the chance, 90% of the time, the thing that you're fearing is, is, is not true. So if you think in those perspectives, you can allow the minuscule possibility of a chance that it be that is true stop you or you're gonna go with the majority so number one i'd say just keep in mind that the majority is in your favor that what you're fearing what you're fearful of 
is not real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In my book, I say, don't be afraid of the boogeyman. The boogeyman is not real. It's people mm-hmm. sometimes act like it is. And the next thing I'd say is, you know, you could be wrong. So, for instance, you're saying to yourself, I'm afraid of failing, whatever it may be, at your book, at being an artist, whether it's singing, rapping, or even going to school and taking some kind of a course that you feel like is a little bit of a challenge. You might be fearful about it, but keep also in mind that you could be wrong. You know what I mean? So the thing that you're afraid of that might be the worst case scenario happening that you think might be, what I like to use is as a perfect example of what, I, what I'm trying to say is um, public speaking. That's like one of the number one fears that people have. Right. So when you think about public speaking, you ask in, in a room of 100 people, about 70% of them will say, no, 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 I don't want to do it. No, 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 I don't want to do it. I do it all right. the time asking people to come up and they say, no, no, I don't want to do it. But why? They're afraid of something. It's not that they can't speak. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't have nothing to say, but they're afraid of looking like a fool, making a mistake, being ridiculed. Mm-hmm. All these different things go through the mind. But 90% of the possibilities of that are untrue. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is to keep in mind that you could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So you're afraid of what might be happening, but you could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So there's only one way to find out is to get up and, and do it. You know what I learned as well is that even if you are not wrong, you said it earlier, even if you are, want to be a singer and you stink, like mm-hmm. you straight up stink, there's lessons that you can learn in that circumstance. You, you can still learn things. Like if you want to be a singer, but you just don't have the voice, maybe you learn in the process how to produce. Like maybe you become that producer behind the scenes. Maybe you become, uh, maybe you're not, a, say, a lead vocalist, but you become a background vocalist. Like there's background vocalists who are making a lot of money and who are making an impact because, you know, they're Beyonce's backup singer or Trey Lorenz, let's say. If you remember Trey Lorenz, who those remember, Trey Lorenz used to be, um, he, he is Mariah Carey's backup singer. Okay. And back in the 90s, he had a couple of songs that came out. He attempted to do his solo career. It didn't really work out. Great singer, though, but he decided to go back to become Rye Carey's um, background singer. And he's making a great career from doing it. Mm. So my point is, is that even if you want to be that writer, but your skill may not be there, um, you want to be that singer, your skill may not be there. There's so much more you can learn, even even in the process of trying to become it, and you realize, well, maybe it's not for me, you can still work within that realm. You can still be that songwriter mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Um that's still within that realm of the area that you want to be in. And maybe that's your purpose. Exactly. Right? Or maybe so, you could get auto-tune. You know what? <laughs> maybe you can get auto-tune. I mean, I, the time is died, but like they say, everything kind of finds its way back. So who knows? Auto-tune. Maybe auto-tune's around the corner and yeah. you throw yourself on there and you have a hit song. You know? It doesn't take much. But the other thing I'd say is the fact that, you know, when you think of a person who is successful... They have to overcome that fear. Mm-hmm. So by you allowing fear to stop you from trying, you're not ready mm-hmm. because that's the only way you will actually get there. Like it's, it's a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. Courage is a prerequisite to success. You, you, you can't be a, a CEO of a company and be afraid of running the business. There's nobody you could hire that could pick up for your courage. You could, you could be a CEO of a company and not have the knowledge and hire somebody who could be more knowledgeable, but you can't hire somebody who's going to work harder than you in terms of your discipline or who's braver than you in terms of uh, seeing your vision through. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's the boss. That's the person, that's the leader. That's the person who's the go-getter. 
So it's better you don't have the right knowledge and ability than you don't have the right courage and discipline. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Keith, where yes, can sir. people find you? Where can they find you on social media? Where can they locate you? Well, easy enough, KeithHillJr.com. KeithHillJr.com is my website. All my social media handles are there. But Instagram is usually the best place, which is real.keithhill, R-E-A-L.keithhill. Perfect. And your book as well. Where can they purchase your book? You can get it off the site, off KeithHillJr.com or straight Amazon. You can just search Fighting Fear and Doing Discipline, and it'll pop right up. Perfect, man. Thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate it very much. Appreciate you. Much love. Much love. Always a pleasure. And that was Keith Hill Jr. And again, if you're looking to get a hold of his book, you can go on Amazon or like he said on his webpage. And I'll have it in the show notes as well. Fighting Fear and Doing Discipline. It's a great book. It really does apply to those who are going through issues, who just want to get over the fears, the things that are going on in their head and how to apply these methods to get through that. And then it also gives you a lot of reminders and ways that you can apply discipline to your life. If you're looking to achieve something, you have to continue to push at it every single day or as often as you can so you can apply those things. And that is the discipline that Keith talks about in this book. So go out and buy this book. It's a great read. I've read it a couple times and you're going to learn so much from it. All right, good people, listen up. Fighting fear and doing discipline. These are things that you need to apply to your life. You have to fight through that fear. As I mentioned in the show, I've heard Will Smith say, God has put the best things in life on the other side of fear. That means that if you're able to push through your fear, you're able to find all the great things that you want in this world, all the things you're able to achieve, if you're able just to push through it. And when you apply your discipline, when you apply the things that you have to do to get to your goal, you're able to see how easy it is to achieve it. But first you have to apply that discipline. Every morning you get up, you brush your teeth. That's something you have to do. It's a discipline that you put yourself through and you know if you're gonna save your teeth, you have to brush your teeth every single day. If you're trying to achieve certain things in your life, then you have to do discipline. You have to apply the rules of discipline within your life so you can achieve the things that you want to achieve. You can do it. You can fight through the fear and you can also continue through discipline to achieve all the things that you want to achieve in this world. Thank you so much, guys. Again, Keith Hill, thank you so much for being on the show and I will see you guys at the top of the next episode. Peace.